God, we do come in prayer to take everything to you because we acknowledge that we are so dependent upon you. We're even dependent upon you to hear what you have to say to us this morning. So open up our hearts and our minds to hear what it is you have to say. Speak, O Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Well, this morning, we're continuing again our sermon series called Every, Values That Change Everything. We believe that there are some things that are so important to the life of the church, to the body of Christ, that they should affect everything and everyone. They're comprehensive. In fact, if you're joining us or you're visiting with us this morning, this is a great sermon series to begin with because you're going to learn a lot about who we are around here. These are the core values that we find to be so important to our life together. And there are eight statements uh, that we're going to be discussing over the whole series. We started off with everything centered on God's word. That's the foundation that we build on. It's true. It's transformative. And over 75 of you are reading the entire Bible together over two years, from age 7 to over 80. And that's really exciting. And last week, we discussed every member a missionary, how Jesus has sent all of us to be fishers of men, both individually and also as a church. And this morning, we're continuing, uh, continuing the series with the phrase, every meeting, a prayer meeting. Every meeting, a prayer meeting. I want to read to you a quote from E.M. Bounds. He says, the life, power, and glory of the church is prayer. Without it, the church is lifeless and powerless. I mean, we all know this. We know that prayer is important. We know that it's essential. But we all struggle, and all churches struggle to prioritize prayer but it's something we're so prone to neglect. And I think it makes a lot of sense. The passage that we read for this morning comes out of Ephesians 6, and it's talking about spiritual warfare and putting on the armor of God. Now, if our enemy is cunning, which we know he is wise and deceitful and full of all kinds of tricks, I think he would make it one of his primary objectives to cut off the body of Christ from her source of power. And our source of power is God, and our connection to God is in prayer. So isn't it a wonder that one of the things that we are so prone to neglect the most is prayer, is our connection to God. It's our source of power and life. Friends, without prayer, we cannot be victorious in the Christian life. And the the Apostle Paul, he tells the church, take up the whole armor of God, but then he goes on. Because even with all of that armor, God's army, so to speak, will only be effective as they have regular connection with the general, with the master with the commander, with the leader. So Paul gives these instructions. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now in this text, there are four words in the Greek that mean all or every. And we're going to use those four words as our outline for the sermon this morning. The first is this, number one, pray together on all occasions. Pray together on all occasions. Now, this is the biblical idea that every meeting is a prayer meeting. Every time Christians gather is a time for prayer. And friends, that is really good news to us. You see, the rabbis, the Jewish rabbis had this idea that if two people were sitting together and the Torah was sitting between them, that somehow the Shekinah, God's presence, his manifest presence, the weight of his presence was there in them in the midst. But then Jesus shifts this idea. And instead of the Torah being 
what's in the middle. It's Jesus who is in the midst. And if you were part of our Bible reading plan, you read this just yesterday in Matthew 18. Jesus says this, Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. See, God is always present with us individually, of course, but there is something different. There is something more, he is more intensely present when we gather with other believers. Just like in the Old Testament, God is present everywhere, but if you want to experience the Shekinah, the weight of God's glory, you go to the temple. Because God, that's where God's manifest presence was. That's where he dwelled, as the scriptures say. And we have the promise from Jesus Christ himself that when you gather with just one other believer, there Jesus' presence is in the midst. Private prayer is essential, but there is something different about praying together with other believers. When we gather in his name, that means under his lordship, under his rule, under his kingdom agenda, not ours, we gather in his name and we agree together in prayer to see the kingdom advance in our lives, in our churches, and in our communities. And Jesus says, there I am in the midst. Every time we are with another believer in Christ, that meeting is transformed into a meeting for prayer because Jesus is with us. So we pray in the Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name on all occasions or on every occasion. In the Greek, it's, little, it's literally praying at every time. At every time. All occasions, all meetings are good for prayer. But the reality is often we're tempted to only pray when it's a crisis, when it's an emergency, when something is going wrong in our lives or we've tried everything else, we can't solve the problem on our own, then we say, oh God, what do we do? But if we only turn to God in moments of crisis, that would limit prayer way too much. Paul says on all occasions, every time, it's a comprehensive word that leaves no Christian gathering untouched. So I want to be maybe as excessively redundant with you as I possibly can because I want you to catch a vision for what it means to say in our church that every meeting is a prayer meeting. You ready? Here we go. Every time you gather for coffee or a meal with a fellow believer, pray. Every small group, every community group, every youth group and confirmation, every Sunday school class, every worship service, before every worship service, every choir practice, every board and committee meeting, every worship team rehearsal, during every outreach event, every all-church family meal when you sit down to eat, every kids club, every trustee meeting. Yes, you can pray for the facility. God bless you. Every time you usher and collect the offering, say a prayer for God to use our finances for his glory. Every time your family gathers around the table, every retreat, every camp, every time you're greeting somebody, you're praying for those coming into worship, every meeting, a prayer meeting. Do you see it? Amen. You see it. That's what we're after. Every meeting, a prayer meeting. And actually, we, not only that, we want to put prayer first. Prayer at the top of the agenda. And that's something we changed in our executive board in the past year. We noticed that if prayer is just left to the end, we have all this business and conversation that takes, takes, takes up the time and, okay, can someone close in prayer for the last minute? And we said, you know what, that's not right. We, prayer is the most important business of our meeting tonight. Let's put it at the top of the agenda and spend actually a, a considerable amount of time in prayer praying for our church family, praying for God's direction, praying for his wisdom, and that has been an immense change that we've made. And I think it's paying dividends. Prayer needs to be a big rock in the church, and in our lives. And I'm sure many of you are familiar with the, the famous time management principle from Stephen Covey with the big rocks and the pebbles and the sand. And I would demonstrate that for you, but I ran out of time. 
<laughs> See what I did there? It's called a dad joke. That's called a dad joke. But the principle is, you, have a, you, have a, you usually have like a glass or, or a jar or something, and you have the big rocks and the pebbles and the sand, and they put the, the sand and the pebbles in first. Now there's no room for your big rock to go in. But when you put the big rock in first, then you can put the pebbles in, then you can put the sand in, and then you can even pour some water in it, and boom, it all fits. In the same way, prayer needs to be a big rock in your life and in our church. We need to make prayer the most important business at every meeting and on every occasion. And also to put it first in the business of your day. I like what the famous missionary Hudson Taylor said. He said, do not have your concert first and then tune your instrument afterwards. Begin the day with the word of God in prayer and get first of all into harmony with him. That's how we get in tune with the creator. So we pray on all occasions and we make prayer the first business of every meeting because every meeting for a Christian is a prayer meeting. So we pray on all occasions. Number two, we pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. We pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. If we're going to be praying all the time, isn't it wonderful that we have a variety of prayer that we can avail ourselves of? There's a beautiful mosaic of prayer in the Christian tradition. And I like what Martin Vincent said. He said, every phase of a prayerful person's life suggests an occasion for prayer, and prayer has varieties enough for every occasion. There's a variety enough of prayer for every occasion in life. And so Paul, when he reminds his mentee Timothy about what's important in the church, he says, I urge then, first of all, this is primary importance, that petitions, prayers, intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. Our first importance is a variety of prayer for a variety of people. Many of you are probably familiar with the famous acronym ACTS. I know it's not the most perfect acronym, but it's one that's familiar, so let's use it. And ACTS stands for four different types of prayer. The A stands for adoration. This is our, our worship, our praise, our praising God for who He is, His character, His holiness, His goodness, His majesty, His love, and His grace. The C stands for confession. Oh, beloved, are we still able to confess our sins with each other in the church? Can we still pray what we sang about earlier? Oh, God, give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Friends, there are some things that we will only find the spiritual healing we need when we're willing to confess our sins with other believers. We need confession together. The T stands for thanksgiving. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Friends, I have found Thanksgiving to be so helpful. Do any of you wrestle with worry or anxiety? <laughs> Do you ever have things that just bog your heart down, that just you can't get off your chest, you can't get off your mind? Gosh, one of the best types of prayer that you can do is Thanksgiving. It's to remember who God is and what he's done. There's a, there's a, a song lyric I like from Elevation wor Worship that says, I will look back and see that you were faithful. I look ahead Believing that you are able. Jesus, Lord of all. Lord of all. Sometimes you have to look back and remember what God's done in your life. Remember how faithful he's been. Remember he's gotten you through so many tough times already. And when you remember that and give thanks to God for that, finally you find the strength renewed to say, you know what, I can face whatever comes in my future because God has been with me and he will be with me. Amen? Thanksgiving is essential to our peace with God. And finally, supplication. That means to ask God to supply our needs, to petition him, to present your request to God, to boldly approach the throne of grace and name what we need. 
We tell God what we need. James 4, the brother of Jesus, he said, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Friends, the hard truth that we need to remind ourselves of is a prayerless church is a proud church and a prayerless Christian is a proud Christian. And God may be resisting our efforts when we don't pray because we're showing him, oh, we we think we can do it on our own. God, we don't need you. God, we got this. But God gives grace to the humble. It's a promise of scripture. And how do we show our humility to God? I think primarily by prayer. Oh God, we need you. Oh God, I need you. God, we need this, etc., etc. It's a declaration that we agree with God that we cannot do it on our own. We need his power to accomplish his purposes in our lives and in our church. So we have adoration, we have confession, we have thanksgiving, we have supplication. You might also add some silence in there. You might pepper in some lament. Maybe the Psalms. Maybe prayers written by saints who have gone long before. You see, there's a rich Christian tradition of prayer that you can let permeate your life as we pray at all times with all kinds of prayers and requests. Number three, we pray with all perseverance. We pray with all perseverance. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying. Or another translation says, stay alert with all perseverance. Now the word perseverance, it means a firm persistence in an undertaking. A firm persistence. See, Paul knew that we would need to stay alert to watch out when prayer begins to slip in our church and in our lives. When it ceases to be a priority, when it gets moved down on, the, on your priority list, watch out. There's, some, there's some, something going on. And there are several barriers to prayer that we could talk about, but I want to highlight a few this morning because I want to nip these in the bud so that we can persist and persevere in prayer. One barrier that we have in prayer is that we forget that it's a great privilege. We forget that we, we get to go to the king of the universe who has all the power to accomplish anything that he wants and he says he has our good interests in mind and he wants us to pray to him. He commands us to pray to him. He wants us to come and present our requests. He's never too busy and he always listen. It's a great privilege that we, that, that we get to go to God in prayer. Another barrier that we experience is that we're discouraged by unanswered prayer. We're discouraged by unanswered prayer. Friends, I don't think any one of us this side of eternity will ever be able to fathom the mystery that is prayer. Why God answers some prayer and other prayers seem to go unanswered will forever baffle me. I've experienced time and time again the frustration, the discouragement, and the pain of unanswered prayer. I don't know why it happens. But I know one thing. I have a two and a half year old daughter. I can tell you what, she asks me for things all the time. All the time. You can imagine, Daddy, can I have a snack? Daddy, can I have a treat? Dad, Daddy, can I watch a TV show? Daddy, can I do this? You know how many times I have to tell her no? It's exhausting. <laughs> Parenting is hard. My goodness. You see, but I see the bigger picture. I know that this is not the right time for her. This isn't what is best for her. Can you ever thank God that he's told you no in prayer? Because if God would have gave you what you wanted, it wouldn't have been the best thing for you. And we don't like to admit that we don't see the whole picture. We don't see the beginning from the end as he does. He has our best interests in mind. But we don't like to admit that. But he does. 
He does. And oh, how I would lament if Daisy concluded, well, my dad's told me no so many times in the past, I guess, guess I'll just stop asking him for things. Oh, the pain of a father's heart if that would happen. No, no, no. The Lord wants you to keep coming to him, to keep presenting your request to him. Don't be discouraged by unanswered prayer. Keep on praying in the midst of the doubt. Like what Archbishop William Temple, who's talking about being discouraged by unanswered prayer or just talking about prayer, uh, because we have, to, we have to also remember, not only is there unanswered prayer, there's also answered prayer. <laughs> and William Temple, he said, well, all I know about prayer is when I pray, I see coincidences happen, and when I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. Now, obviously, these aren't coincidences. We know that God answers prayer, so be encouraged by that. Another barrier that we have is that we fill up our time with other things. Like Martha in the story with Jesus, we get caught up in all the affairs, all the tasks and things we have to do, when really our primary need is time with the Lord. And I'm very sympathetic with all of you who feel very busy. You just heard the week and a half I have coming up in front of me. I don't need any sympathy for that. But we all have busy things in our lives, things that take up our time. And I I came across a story that I thought was just brilliant. Susanna Wesley, the mother of John Wesley, she had... 16 children. 16! Oh my goodness. You think your life is busy? She was also the wife of a pastor. Oh my goodness. And she had 16 kids. And you know what she did? She would go into her kitchen and then she would go like this with her apron. Put the apron over her head. And she told her kids, this this is mommy's time. This is mommy's time with the Lord. Do not disturb mommy when she's under the apron. This is mommy's time. And some of you are thinking, oh, hallelujah, I'm doing this at home when I get home. (laughs) What a great idea. But the priority on prayer, my goodness, it wasn't just because she needed a break. She needed time with the Lord. And she said, you know, I got 16 kids. I'm going to find a way. And she put the apron over her head. Now, maybe it's not an apron for you, but you have other things that are taking taking up your time. And you have to say, you know what? It's do not disturb mode. It's do not disturb. I'm putting the phone down. I'm getting away from everybody else. I'm finding time to go pray because if I don't, other things will take up my time. We have to overcome that barrier. I think another barrier that we face is that we don't feel productive in prayer, if we admit that sometimes. We live in such a results-oriented society and prayer doesn't feel like it might accomplish as much as we like it would. We want to see results. But prayer is not like that. It's a relationship with our Heavenly Father. But I think we also need to remind ourselves that God can accomplish more in five minutes of prayer than we could do in five years of work. God God can accomplish way more than we can. But we need to petition Him in prayer. So we don't feel it's productive, but nothing could be a better use of our time than to pray. It is a good use of time. And finally, the last barrier that we face is that Paul said that we face spiritual warfare. We face spiritual warfare. Satan will do what he can to keep us off our knees He will tell you it's not a really big deal. He'll tell you it won't make a difference anyway. He'll remind you of unanswered prayer. And he doesn't have to hardly defeat you in your life if he can just distract you from God. Some some of you, you feel like, gosh, I feel so far away from God, but it's because your connection with God has been cut off. You haven't had that secret time away with the Lord. And Satan's been distracting you. He's been keeping you away from that connection so you're not feeling as close to God as you used to. So you're facing a spiritual battle. You have to remember, our connection, our life, our power is in prayer. 
So friends, in light of all these obstacles and spiritual warfare, watch out, keep alert, persevere, endure, keep it up, keep going. Don't let these obstacles be a barrier in your life. I like the adage that says, whenever you find it the hardest to pray, pray your hardest. Isn't that good? And I think about Daniel living in Babylon. And he was rising to power, and there were some other officials who wanted to trick him. And so they tricked the king into signing an order that if anybody prayed to anybody else besides the king for 30 days, that they would be thrown into a lion's den. And Daniel heard about this, and look what he did in Daniel 6.10. Now when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now in his roof chamber, he had windows open toward Jerusalem. And he continued, kneeling on his knees, three times a day, praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. See, Daniel was not deterred from regular prayer even in the face of violence, suffering, persecution from powers and authorities and the government. Now, I think it's safe to say we face a lot of barriers to prayer, but none of us have faced what Daniel has faced, or at least we don't face it right now. We don't have the threat of persecution and the government to pray. We aren't facing that. So let's be reminded of Daniel and persevere in prayer. Watch your prayer life closely. Watch our church's prayer life closely. Overcome these barriers and pray with all perseverance. And finally, the last all word, pray for all the Lord's people. Pray for all the Lord's people. Brothers and sisters, we are to have a special concern a special duty to pray with and for one another. And actually, the book of Ephesians, the letter of the, to the Ephesians that Paul is writing, he is concerned about unity in the church, bringing the, Jew, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians together in one body. And perhaps nothing so unites our hearts together than when we begin to pray with one another and for one another. We're bonded together when we pray for each other. As Angela said in the children's sermon, yeah, we can eat alone, we need to eat, we need that energy, but there is a new unity and sustenance when we gather together to pray. It's just like life. When you, when you realize in your life that, you know what, my life is actually most enriched when I begin to live it for God and for others, right? The same is true in your prayer life. When you begin to realize that prayer is most enriched, when you begin to make it not just so much about yourself, but for God and for others. It's for all the Lord's people. And it's one of the best ways that we can obey the command to love one another. We begin to love one another well when we begin to pray for one another well. So let me recap here. Pray together on all occasions. Pray with all kinds of prayers and requests. We pray with all perseverance and we pray for all the Lord's people. Look what John Stott says about this passage. He says, most Christians pray sometimes with some prayers and some degree of perseverance for some of God's people. But to replace some by all in each of these expressions would be to introduce to us a new dimension of prayer. Brothers and sisters, I'd like to invite you to a new dimension of prayer this morning. Every meeting, a prayer meeting. Every occasion, a time for prayer. Let me give you a few thoughts about how you might want to apply this in your life and in our church. Let me give you one idea for your personal prayer life. Now, I don't want you to be uh, misdirected here because this passage in this sermon is about our life together praying together 
But our prayer life will, as a church will only be strengthened as we all pursue private prayer together and strengthen our personal prayer lives. And now that uh, the vast majority of us are all reading the Bible together, I would like to invite you to attach a time of prayer to your Bible reading. Now, some of you, you're stuck in prayer because you're not sure what to say. You're not sure what to pray. And I want I to encourage you to, there's many strategies that you could use, but one strategy is to pray about what you're reading in Scripture. There are many things in the Bible that are easily, they're, they're prayers themselves, or they're easily turned into a prayer. And there's many themes that provide rich content for prayer. In fact, when I was reading through Genesis, I was looking at Noah, and I was praying, Oh God, make me like Noah. Out of all the people in the world, there is one who is found righteous and faithful. In spite of all the opposition, in spite of a command that looked ridiculous, Oh God, I want to be found faithful in your sight. Oh God, make me like Abraham. One who would be able to leave his country, leave everything he knew because you were calling him to a new calling and vocation, a new place. And you said, Lord, you credited him as righteousness because he believed. Oh God, help me believe like Abraham. Help our church believe like Abraham. These are, these are rich ways to pray when you read the scripture. In fact, I heard one person put it that we inhale the word and we exhale prayer. We inhale the word and we exhale prayer. Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Word, the word and prayer are so essential to our life. It's like we live by inhaling and exhaling. The Christian lives by inhaling the word and exhaling prayer. That's how we live and get our sustenance in Jesus Christ. Another uh, application I'd like to give you is to attend our worship and prayer nights. Now, we've said that every meeting is a prayer meeting, but we would be totally off base as a church if we, sh if we said there should never be any meetings just for prayer. No, sometimes you need to say the only purpose of this gathering is prayer and worship. And right now we have four times a year, quarterly worship and prayer nights, where we're asking the whole church to come together for a time of corporate worship and prayer. And it will be guided, it will, there will be themes, there will be topics to pray about, and we'll invite you to come and pray together as a church. We'll start off with a meal, and then we'll have an hour, a sweet hour of prayer, if you will. We hope that you'll make that a priority as part of our life together. And finally, one other idea. The covenant is known for two questions, right? Where is it written, and how goes your walk? I'd like to suggest a third. I don't know if I can get this passed anywhere, but I'd like to suggest a third. How can we be praying for each other? How can we be praying for each other? And I think the wisdom in this question is you're asking somebody about what they can pray for you and you're inviting them to share a prayer request uh, that they have. And so you're building a connection of prayer between the two of you. So when we're with each other before you leave, how can we be praying for each other? Just make that part of your vocabulary. And if you want a little bit of extra credit, add a fourth question. Could we pray about that right now? Can we just pray together right now? How many more prayer meetings could we have if we said, you know, instead of waiting till I get home and, and pray for you, let's just stop right now, let's just pause right now and pray together. We would have so much, many more times and maybe so many more answered prayers if we just asked those simple questions. Friends, I believe that God is up to something in our church. I see it. I feel the wind of the Spirit blowing here. And I like the quote that says, when God wants to do something special in the world, he first gets his people to start praying. And that's what's happening here. So church, let's pray. 
Pray often. Pray regularly. Pray on all occasions. Pray for our staff. Pray for your elected leaders. Pray also for me and my ministry here. Pray that I would preach and lead well. Let prayer permeate our church. Make every meeting a prayer meeting. And may we see the Lord do more than all we could ask or imagine. Amen? This morning I'd like to invite the choir up.